Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com thrive. That's E-C-K. F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Heckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Lisa Buffo, and she is founder and CEO of the Cannabis Marketing Association. We're going to talk to her a little bit about how you can go about marketing strategy, marketing process for cannabis companies. Lisa's been in the space for quite some time, has a lot of great insights on how cannabis companies can strategically use marketing, what they can and cannot do, how to kind of approach the whole question of getting your brand out there, developing your brand, building audience, building leads. So with that, Lisa, Lisa, welcome to the program. Thank you, Bruce, for having me. So why don't we start with a little bit of background. Tell us a little bit about how you got into marketing, how you got into cannabis. How did this all come about? Tell us about the Cannabis Marketing Association. What's the backstory here? Yeah, so I got into the cannabis industry in 2014. I was pretty determined to start working in it immediately as soon as it was legalized. I really wanted to be here in Colorado year one of legalization. Prior to that, I actually grew up outside of Cleveland, Ohio, mm-hmm. and was working there for a few different different tech startups and um, sort of a tech stars like business accelerator for early stage software and hardware companies in the Midwest. Sure. And I had been considering starting a company of my own, had considered a few different options in Cleveland, but 
had said to myself, you know, if I stay here, I'm going to regret that. And I want to do something different and more exciting. So I actually moved up to Colorado to join the cannabis space in 2014. And prior to that, I had worked in marketing for several different startups, sort of naturally fell into it. My first job out of college was actually working for a nonprofit that worked with service dogs and wounded warriors. And I had helped raise money for that organization by taking pictures of the dogs and putting them online on social media. Mm-hmm. And that those feeds actually went viral. So we ended up creating merchandise, almost like creating this whole brand of like these puppies and these dogs. And so I started getting really into marketing pretty naturally. And yeah. then I took that, applied that to the tech startups did that for a few different years and then got into cannabis in 2014. And what was it like in 2014 as you're kind of going from the tech startup world to the cannabis world? What was that process like or what did you notice that was similar and different? I would say what was different was definitely the level of passion and excitement. I think entrepreneurs in general are very excitable, passionate people, Mm -hmm. but definitely, at least at that time in the industry and still now, there is a level of like real feeling and emotion behind why people start these companies and do what they do. That took what I saw in the tech world to a whole new level. And that was really exciting. And the differences were, I mean, tech was very... Very fast paced, very exciting, but they didn't have the level of challenges that cannabis startups had. There's always plenty of challenges as an entrepreneur, particularly in the early stage, but it was a whole new level of, oh, you know, now you can't get insurance and you can't get banking and you can't do Google ads. I mean, I had never thought about that until I got into the cannabis space. Yeah. uh, And what were some of the things you were able to pull or borrow from your experience in the tech startup world, you know, approaching cannabis at that point, what were some of the strategies or the things that you could apply? And, and what are some of the things that maybe didn't uh, didn't transfer so well for you? I think at a base, sort of that hustle, build it and figure out how to do it, you know, figure out how to fly the plane when you're building it mentality yeah. was definitely the same. And I would say even more important to have that level of creativity when building and marketing your company in the cannabis space that tech did teach me. It also taught me a lot about the power of communities and leveraging your early adopters, your first customers, and really the community that you have to kind of get to market and get to build. So that that definitely applied and I think was even more fun in the cannabis space because yeah. certainly that first year, you know, the stigma was there. Is this going to work? Is this like, can we have legalization? Is this going to last? Yeah. Being able to really be at the forefront of that was was exciting and similar. Yeah. And so now tell us about the, the Cannabis Marketing Association. How did that come about? Kind of what was the impetus to pull that group together? Yeah. So I started out in the cannabis industry, actually working for a business accelerator in cannabis. So I almost kind of did a direct translation from tech startups in a business accelerator format to cannabis startups in a business accelerator format. And I worked for that company for their, their first cohort. And then I actually joined one of their portfolio companies as their chief marketing officer. And then I spent about a year launching that company and, and growing and scaling it. And when I was doing that, I realized how difficult it was to market in this space. And I still kind of took that mentality of build the community and leverage the community from there. But there were so many more things I couldn't do at the time. And, and still to this day, you can't do paid ads on social. Things are very restrictive. Certain publications won't take you. You have to watch what you say. So I actually started having meetings after work. And I would say, hey, Bruce, you're the you know CMO yeah. of this other brand in the space. Can you talk about how you pulled off this campaign or what you did when you had your Instagram account shut down 
Or, you know, what does this regulation mean in practice? And then I would invite my other colleagues in marketing and communications who were running into these troubles. And we just started learning from each other. So it it started very grassroots. We called it Cannabis Marketing Association because it, you know, it sounded official and it sounded cool. (laughs) It didn't really have an intention of starting it as a company or as a an organization at all. I was just trying to learn and navigate, you know, what was a, a high intense growth job and in an early stage in the place. And so the first meeting, we had 80 people there and we said, okay, we're going to do this next month. We'll charge $10. We'll bring some food. We'll kind of up the production value. And we just kept doing it. Yeah. And we launched on Meetup and it kept building. And then within four months, we had marketers from, this was in Boulder, mm-hmm. Boulder, Denver area. And then within four months, we had marketers independently from LA and San Francisco reached out who had saw us online and said, Hey, we want to, you know, replicate your model. So I flew out to California. We launched the meetings out there. And then we spent about a year, year and a half surveying our meeting attendees and saying, okay, you know, if we turn this into a business and a true association, you know, what benefits and services could we provide that would be valuable and, and meet you where you are. And then that's how we built our initial um, benefits and services for membership. And then we ended up launching that officially beginning of 2019. And when did you decide or when did you realize that th- this was going to be your main focus, you know, versus kind of a, a side thing you were doing to help your just general professional development or connecting with other marketers? Probably about six to eight months into it. Yeah. It was exciting. It was fun. I was meeting so many new people. It was the right time for it. And I realized that nobody was having the conversation about cannabis marketing at the industry level. A lot of people, you know, were starting agencies or service-based companies left and right, but there was definitely a gap for bringing that community together. So I wanted to be a part of something a little bit bigger than my own brand and, and yeah, and get this community of marketers together. Yeah. And, and what have been some of the challenges, uh, as, as you've kind of looked at this organization and how you bring these different communities together, or the, the different geographies, different states, you know, the professionals in there, what, what have you had to kind of navigate as you've designed the organization and grown it over the years? Well, I will say, I think one of the most important things is figuring out your mission and vision and having that true north. Yeah. There's so many different problems to solve in cannabis. And especially when you're building a membership-based organization, you kind of want to do that in the beginning so that you stay on track. And one of the things we decided we wanted to do early on was have our mission around positively rebranding cannabis and its consumers. And that's something that a lot of businesses and the industry shares as a goal in general. But we really felt that if we keep that as our mission and then continue to build the services and the tools for our members that allow them to do their job as best as possible, since they're the ones who are creating the communications that face the public, that that was going to keep us on track. So the first thing we did was really hash out the mission, really hash out the vision, and then build an our messaging and our benefits around that. As far as what's been difficult about getting this off the ground, Mm -hmm. it took us almost a year to get a bank account. Um, (laughs) So that like significantly delayed our lawn. Yeah. The marketing regulations vary at the city, county, and state level. So we also realized that in order to build a national membership organization, we needed to account for that and give voice and power to the communities where they were. At that point, we had been you know, doing these meetings in Denver, San Francisco, and LA. And there was a lot of similar themes to what came up in those conversations, but it was also quite different. It was a big difference between what we were talking about in LA versus San Francisco, even though they're both California markets, and then again to Denver. And we continued to see that as we expanded. So figuring out how to really keep the national frame of mind and the vision front and center, but also realize that things are different on the ground for everybody based on where they are and that 
locales, regulatory environment and appetite for this industry. And yeah, so I'm, I'm curious on what some of the differences were or examples of differences. And I mean, you, I guess I'm curious how much of them were because of the sort of the regulatory issues, you know, the state and local regulatory issues versus just different market dynamics, community dynamics was more about kind of the place you were operating in or the culture and the community you're operating in versus the, the regulatory. Give me a sense of what, what the differences were between these markets for you. Yeah. So one, I mean, if we look at it from a strategic perspective in California, they have billboards for cannabis companies. You will not see that here in Colorado. Uh So when you're approaching marketing strategy in California, you can be much more visible and speak with the public through billboards. You can't do that in Colorado. So that's sort of, you know, at least from a visibility perspective, a big thing to consider when you're talking to other marketers about where they should spend their money. And that's just one example. There's many, many more of how that plays out. But as far as culturally, California, I mean, they've had medical cannabis since 1996. So as far as the stigma, it wasn't there as much as some other places. They had, I think, more issues around bringing, you know, the medical market, transitioning to the adult use market and really putting things above board where Colorado was just, you know, it was illegal and then it was legal pretty quickly. And that transition was I don't want to say seamless, but yeah. relatively speaking, it was done in in that phase. Yeah. And so, yeah, so those were just some of the certain things that we saw initially. And also based on geography, I mean, here in Colorado, you have the front range, which is, you know, Denver, Boulder, Fort Collins, Colorado Springs. Most of the population lives right up against where the mountains start. And yeah. then the rest of the population is throughout the mountains or right along I-70, which is what goes through all the ski resorts. Mm-hmm. And so when you go up I-70 and you look at the mountain towns, their pricing is different. Their marketing is different. They're largely marketing to tourists. So it'll look way different in the mountains than it does here on the front range. And that's even like a difference locally within the state of Colorado. So a lot of those little nuances kind of come up. And these were all the things we were exploring in our meetings. And, you know, it counted for our conversations and how we were wrapping our head around this perception issue and how can marketers communicate with the public better. Yeah. And your membership is people that hold marketing positions inside cannabis companies or what's your kind of scope of membership and and who participates in the the programming that you put together? Yes, that's the majority of it. Really, it's for marketers who, who manage the budget of licensed brands. And we really focus on that because the licensed brands are the ones who have the skin in the game as far as the market marketing and advertising regulations. And yeah. in the industry, if you violate those regulations, the penalties are quite severe. For obvious reasons, the regs were designed so that we're not marketing to children, so yeah. that we're, we're marketing appropriately, that things are age-gated, that we're using the right language. So since that's the most high, high risk and high stakes, that's really who we target here. And they're the ones who are selling and manufacturing cannabis. So a lot of it is in-house marketing director for a dispensary or a brand, but we also work with a lot of, you know, account executives at agencies who are representing and working with multiple brands and multiple businesses in the cannabis industry as well. Yeah. And when you look at your programming, what makes up your programming? Are these, you know, sessions where people are having open discussion? Are you bringing in expert speakers? Are you developing content and literature? As you look at what your constituents need, what have you found having the most impact and and most kind of traction with your membership? It's a two-way street. You know, obviously, as we speak today in April, the coronavirus situation is going online. So we've moved almost we've moved, I mean, all of our content and our programming online into webinar in various formats. But prior to that, we would say, okay, you know, like what legislation is in the works in Denver? Do we need to talk about that? In August, Denver just passed 
delivery, which is something California has, Colorado just yeah. put in place. So we would do a little bit of what the local market needs and what's happening there and get feedback from our members. So oftentimes we'll have members come to us and say, hey, I'm running into this issue with my brand or my store. Can you create content around that? So we will build our content plan out, but we keep it flexible so that we can respond to what's happening in real time in the market and deliver to our members based on what they need then and there. Yeah. So we do... Now we're doing webinars every two weeks. We do blog posts that are written by our members, white papers. Uh, we're working on different forms of like data and downloadables as well. But all of our content and all of our events, we actually film and put online. So we have a member portal that all of our members can log into and watch those videos. So if you were Bruce and you have your cannabis brand in Colorado, but you want to launch in LA, you can watch the videos from our LA members and our LA chapter to see what's happening out there and plan accordingly. That's great. So you've got kind of a library or an archive of, of yeah. content that people can access. And I guess how much do you get involved in kind of the policy or the regulatory side of things? I mean, do you work with legislatures and sort of regulatory bodies to help them kind of craft policy, shape policy, implement policy? I guess how, how much do you advocate on that side of the, the floor? As of now, we don't. We have been in talks with several of the other policy expert organizations about how to get involved. I would say that is not our area of expertise. We are like really true marketers building this for marketers, but realize that that's a, a huge way to have influence as well. Yeah. Um, so it's not the core of what we do, but we are exploring that with other organizations and saying, you know, hey, how can we get involved and how can we help move this conversation forward? One thing we're doing is we're actually producing the Cannabis Marketing Summit online in June. Mm -hmm. And part of our goal with that Certainly initially, and we're now figuring out how to weave this in with, you know, how much the world has changed in the last few weeks. Yeah. It, what do we as marketers need to think about with the end of prohibition on the horizon? Probably not going to happen this year. We've, we definitely have some time, but it's a conversation we need to start having now because at some point that is going to change and the marketing regulations will be set to some degree at that federal level. So, but we need to talk about it now. We need to wrap our heads around it now and see what have other industries done, specifically alcohol is a good one to look at. They actually entirely self-regulate their marketing through an association in that industry that is protected. What they can do is marketing is protected under free speech to a certain degree, but you can agree not to advertise certain ways based on what the federal government wants to see and what the industry wants to see. And those policies for alcohol that are in place are largely what all of our cannabis marketing policies come from. So looking at that industry is a pretty good basis of saying, all right, this is likely how it's going to be regulated for our industry. Now, how can we take that, anticipate that and say, this applies to a certain degree, but cannabis is not alcohol. So how is it different? And how do we account for that in that national conversation? So that's something we as an industry need to start thinking about now and part of what we're doing with, with our content in this summit. Yeah, I mean, I think the similarities are, I mean, I can see a lot of similarities. I mean, you're dealing with a, a substance that has age requirements, has, um, it's a consumable product, you know, there, I could see a lot of similarities. Where do you see the differences between alcohol and cannabis products? Well, there are no medicinal purposes for alcohol. So I think that's huge. I mean, alcohol, you can very squarely put into adult use recreational buckets. Yeah. Cannabis, it's more of a spectrum. You know, you've got like the true heavy medical side of things. You've got wellness users who are in between. You've got straight adult use users, people who use it for all different types of reasons. Yeah. So I think that's a really hugely important distinction is that 
this is not just a 21 plus adult use recreational substance. I mean, there are patients of all ages who use cannabis and who use tinctures for medicinal reasons. And I think that's a big thing to consider. And something we're seeing now with the coronavirus crisis is that cannabis businesses are being deemed essential. And, you know, do we keep the adult use stores open? Do we just keep the medical stores open? I mean, there's a lot of recreational 21 plus adult use consumers who do use it for sleep, anxiety, depression, et cetera, et cetera, but who don't have their med cards. So I think it's kind of forcing this conversation a little bit sooner, but is a really important one to have. I'm curious how you've either organized or how you have the discussion or how the nature of the discussions play out in terms of this kind of the medical versus the adult use side. Are, Are these, do these rub up against each other? Do you have people who are on one side or focus on one part of the market versus the other part of the market? How do you kind of navigate those discussions and challenges of kind of developing the medical side and the adult use side and how do they not negatively impact each other? Well, if you look at the regulations, I mean, really the big difference, they're almost exactly the same, but it'll say you can do this for an 18 plus audience for medical and a 21 plus audience for adult use. So from a regulatory perspective, really that age gate is the the main difference between the two in most states. As far as how we approach it from CMA and our programming, we don't have like separate programming for it. We kind of talk about cannabis marketing in general, and then we'll delineate within our conversations, within our webinars from there. But I think it is something to be considered and to be considered more because a lot of people do use it medicinally and are seeking information from it from a medical perspective, but are not carded patients going into the medical only dispensary. And I would say sort of phase one of this industry, as far as marketing is concerned, is a lot of education. There's still a massive gap in education between the industry and the public around cannabis and the plant and the science and what it does. So, you know, something I like to say is, oh, you can have like a really fancy marketing campaign with cool fonts, cool colors, cool messaging. But if people still think it's a drug, it's it's not going to resonate with them. You have to meet them where they are. Yeah. So that may work for already on board consumers who are maybe looking to try a new brand and that'll catch them. But if you want to expand the market, we have to reach people who are maybe kind of curious or who are kind of gently watching but haven't yet walked into the store. Now, how do you communicate with them? So I think at its basis, education spans both medical and adult use and just letting people know here is cannabis, here's what it does, and here's here's how this will impact you. And that's kind of the first most important step. And are you, as an organization, developing you know, content and campaigns to do that, or you're just helping coordinate individual efforts between brands around those topics? Right now, the latter, more helping the brands get the tools and those resources for how to think about it. I think long-term, that is something we would love to do and be very interested in, just like with the milk industry, they have the Got Milk campaigns. I think there's cool things that longer term, we as an industry can start to do, but right now has not been the time. Yeah, yeah, that, that whole kind of general education of the population of of the customer of the you know customer base around what cannabis is, how it gets used, what the things you need to know to be a consumer is this huge one. I mean, it's so hard to educate a, a market; it takes so much energy and money and time. I could see that being important going forward. So, tell us a little bit about some of the top issues right now that that are coming up in your conversations or in your content. In your when marketers get together, what are the things that they're talking about right now in terms of cannabis, other than the issue of COVID and the fact that we're all stuck indoors right now, but like, what are the hot topics, uh, you know, at the beginning of the year that, that cannabis companies are really looking at from a marketing point of view? I think they're wanting to better measure ROI on their campaigns. 
One thing that we've seen consistently as this industry is if you look at print, for an example, there's a few publications that will accept cannabis ads. Here in Denver, there's a publication called The Westward. That's the Alternative Weekly. It's 21 plus. I mean, it is cover to cover filled with ads on deals from dispensaries. But there's very few other publications and newspapers that will take those ads. And there's other magazines within the space. So one of the conversations I hear a lot from marketers is, you know, if I put my print ad in this magazine, is is the public seeing this? Are consumers seeing this? Or is it just a bunch of industry people looking at each other because the availability is so limited that has been changing in the same with digital right like these few sites will take it but who's actually looking at it are we reaching new audiences or is it just the same of the same so i think people want to expand their inventory they want to try new new publications new places both online and in real life but that access is still quite limited so how do you measure that roi and how do you determine what channels are working for you versus just here's what we have and here's what we can do yeah and what is the state of you know kind of the the general tools that marketers in other industries have in terms of being able to kind of advertise digitally advertise get on these platforms you know, leverage all this kind of amazing digital advertising technology that's developed over the last, you know, four, five, six years. What What's really available and what's not available for people that are marketing cannabis companies? What is available is content. So, you know, you can write whatever you want to write on your blog. That's organic. That's yours. That's your space. And again, this educational part, there's still a lot of information that needs to be put out there that the industry is getting better at doing, but we definitely have a way to go. So I think building out your own internal content strategy is, you know, free from a advertising dollars perspective and can help increase your rankings on Google. There's still limited information about cannabis out there. It's only been written about the past, what is it, like five plus years from an internet history perspective. What is not out there is a lot of the paid channels. So you can't really do Google ads. Google is letting up a little bit on CBD and some topicals, but as far as your licensed cannabis brand, you have to be very, very careful if you get through at all. Same with Facebook and same with Instagram. So I think what you can do is your own content, your own blog, your own social media channels. What's not out there is more of the traditional paid side. But I think that actually the industry has a tendency to see it maybe as a limitation, but I think it's actually an opportunity to really validate your messaging, really validate your niche, really validate your differentiator and use that while you have these channels closed to you so that when they do open up, you know where you stand and you know where you want to move with that. So I think focusing a lot on where you stand as a brand and your values and how you communicate that is something that you can do now and you don't need to wait for for Google ads to open up to be effective. Yeah. Any guesses, any prognostication on when some of these things will open up? Is it going to take federal legalization or descheduling to really open up some of these channels or what's what's the best guess right now in terms of when cannabis marketers will be able to use these digital advertising platforms to the full extent? I mean, I think everyone's guessing. No one really knows. So my guess is as good as anyone else's out there. Yeah. I think with the COVID situation, we might see things change. I mean, this was supposed to be a big year for cannabis legalization. It was a general election year. Yeah. You know, a lot of states had cannabis as, hey, New York was an example. We're going to legalize this, you know, come hell or high water. And it's already been cut from the budget. Well, so, yeah. we, hi, hi, hell and high water both came at the same time. <laughs> yeah. So now it's off the table. So I think yeah. the fact that legalization may not move as far forward this year may be an issue. But I do think, you know, I think we'll see. 
We'll see. I think my guess is as good as anyone else's, but I would be surprised if we saw movement from the the tech giants before the federal government made any movement. Yeah. And tell us about what some of the future goals of the organization are. Where do you, where do you hope to be in a couple of years? How, how do you see your organization developing as the cannabis industry develops? I would like us to have a measurable impact on the destigmatization issue. We're working on a few different ways for how we can do that and how we can measure that. But I do think that's something, you know, by getting together all the best brains and communities communications in this industry, we absolutely can do. I would also like to see as the source for good information and good content on cannabis marketing best practices. I see that best practices is something that we're developing as an industry as we do it from the ground up. From those early meetings, it was it was almost a joke, but best practices was just how do you not get shut down? And how <laughs> yeah, exactly. How do you, yeah. And now it's the conversations change is how do you optimize properly? How do you measure yeah. ROI more kind of standard marketing conversations? But I think really being the place where marketers can come and learn, particularly those who are new. I mean, I have conversations all day with people. Hey, I want to get into this industry. And, you know, I have 20 years of, of B2B SaaS marketing or whatever, but yeah. they don't know the first thing about this plant in this space. Yeah. And so being able to make that transition in a way that is appropriate and compliant and then creative is really important. Um, I've seen a lot of marketers come in and put out campaigns or put out content mm. almost recklessly before they've read the regulations, know what they can say, know what they can't. And it's gotten them in a lot of trouble in their brands and a lot of trouble. And I think seeing that um, happen less, if not at all, would be really good. Yeah, it is. It's kind of uh, the problem of having this Wild West kind of industry right now is you've so many people coming into it, trying so many things, particularly on the regulatory side, you, you run into issues. Lisa, this has been great. If people want to find out about find out more about you, uh, about the Cannabis Marketing Association, what's the best way to get that? So our website is thecannabismarketingassociation.com. Social media, we are at Canna Marketing on Instagram and Twitter. So please follow us there. You can find me personally on LinkedIn, Lisa Buffo. I believe I'm the only one out there. Just <laughs> add a little message and say you heard from me on this podcast, and I'd be happy to connect with you. Great. I will make sure that those links and the handles are on the show notes so people can click through and get that. This has been great. Thank you so much for taking some time. I think that the marketing side of this is just such a huge both challenge and opportunity for cannabis businesses that, you know, I always love talking about it and give some great insights and clearly you're doing a lot of good work in the space. So thank you for taking some time today and, and sharing with us your knowledge. Thank you, Bruce. It was my pleasure. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>